Hello, I'm Jonathan Yudoka. And I'm Cheryl Pickens. Welcome to our podcast. We are calling it Our Town, and our town is Stillwater, Oklahoma, and the community around it. And we're starting our inaugural episode in the Iron Monk Brewery. So what do stoked. you think about that? So stoked to be here. Thank you guys for yeah. agreeing to, to be on with us, and happy to have you. Well, let's, I want you to just real quickly tell us your name, and then we'll just start digging into more questions. So my name is Jared Millirons. Dave Monks. And they are the owners of the Iron Monk Brewery. So we're going to unpack this a little slowly. And if, if you guys have anything to add, please jump in. We want to take our friends a little bit chronological through the process. Our goal on this podcast is to highlight businesses in the area, certainly recognize the successes that everybody sees on the outside. But we want to know a little bit more about what were you thinking? How did this happen? Maybe some stories you haven't told before. Maybe you some stories you've been asked not to tell before, but we want to kind of get into um, the background, even talk about some of the struggles, some of the things um, that you might uh, look back on and uh, share your experience. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. All right, first let's talk about, you tell, where are we located? Where's Iron Monk Brewery located? You tell us. What we are at, obviously in Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, on the corner of Sixth and Husband, um, what longtime folks might recognize as the old AT&T headquarters. They still have offices. I don't know if people go there, but uh, that's where we're at now. It's ground zero. It has been since 2014. Yeah. It was originally built as a grocery store. It was actually a Safeway back in the 50s. Okay. Wow. AT&T bought the building in the late 70s, early 80s, and they converted it into an office building. So if you've ever been in here, you see a lot of concrete, you see a lot of metal on brick walls. We got it, it was all carpet, and it was an eight foot drop ceiling, so literally we could reach up and touch the ceiling. Uh, there was none of the really cool brick walls you see around, so that was a lot of the work we put into it, and a lot of the time was just doing the demo work to get to this cool shell. Which we were convinced the demo would take, we were thinking maybe two, three weeks, just to get stuff out. Oh, <laughs> no. Just tear stuff out, it took a little longer. Oh, it was, my God. It was more like, Close to a year. Oh my stuff. gosh. <laughs> so, was there anything unique that you found? I mean, the iteration of a building from that many years and that many owners, did you find anything cool behind the sheetrock? We didn't find a lot. I mean, there were some things that we did find. We talked to a guy that actually lived just catty corner over here, and uh, he was a bricklayer. He was a mason. And, um, he said that they would use like scrap brick from other projects just as filler on the inside. So, the real cool design and different shaped bricks and everything that you see, that's probably from other job sites that they just threw in here. These walls are 18 inches thick. Wow, it's crazy how thick Almost a safe room. <laughs> yeah, so, there was a bunch of wire, because it was an at and yeah. so we got over 5,000 pounds of wire just <laughs> uh, pulled out of the ceiling. Yeah. Well, when you were looking at this building, were there, were there other people interested? I mean, you know, that's kind of the cool thing about finding a diamond in the rough, you know, were there a lot of people thinking, hey, I want this, I want to turn this into something, did you have to kick some people out of the way to get it? In a way we did, but we were fortunate that there was, it was good and bad, it was a catch-22. There's no parking with the building hardly. We have a little bit of parking out front, but the parking lot to the north of us is still owned by AT&T, and so that's why nobody else would buy it. So we didn't need a lot of parking. Most of our business is production and we ship it out. And then the people that come to the tap room, uh, there's at least enough parking out here that we can get by with that. But a church was going to buy it at one time. Uh, 
there was a few different things, but there just wasn't quite enough parking. So. Yeah, they tell you, Thai cafes are real crazy about you parking in their parking yeah, lot. They, <laughs> yes. They get a little aggravated at our customers sometimes. So you opened the tap room in 2015, right? Yes. Have you seen like a hindrance with parking? I mean, has that been an issue? I mean, I've been in here a few times and it seems pretty busy. Yeah, uh, it's been a little bit of an issue, like you said, with Thai Cafe. And then uh, Larry Gosney, we actually rent his parking lot from him after he's closed. So people can park over there as long as he's already closed down for the day. So, yeah. So not too bad. We're lucky people are willing to walk a little ways. So yeah. The park was a little further away and walked over. Yeah. yeah. How, how long was it? Before, uh, so we'll get into the backstory a little bit, but you guys were working on this concept for a while, um, both in Stillwater at the time, um, doing some home brewing. Um, how long was it between the time you decided, hey, we're going to get a brick and mortar place to actually getting the keys and tearing stuff out? It was a long time. Uh, Dave and I were both teaching over at Northern Oklahoma College. That's how we met. We were professors over there. And we started doing research on starting the craft brewery. And it was at least a year and a half, two years later before we got the building. Uh, just buying the building from AT&T, we joke about it. It's like buying something from the government. It, we made an offer on the building, no joke, we made an offer on the building, and then exactly a year later, we closed on it. Wow. Uh, shouldn't take that long. So, uh, it took a long time, and then once we finally got the building, doing all the demo we talked about, and getting the building ready to be a brewery, there was no plumbing back there at all, so we had to do all kinds of work to get it ready, and then obviously all the equipment you see, that didn't get set up in the day, so right. that took a while to get all that set up before we could actually brew on it, and uh, so yeah, it took a long time. What about the city? What did you have to do with codes and and getting all of this where the city would accept it? That was a uh, that was a little bumpy road, honestly, just because they never had a brewery in Stillwater, so they didn't know what they needed to do on their side. We didn't know what we needed to do. We never started a brewery before, so uh, so yeah, that was a little bit of a rough road, but we finally got there and we got everything to us that we needed. We got everything that we needed, and so uh, but it wasn't too bad. We've talked to other breweries around the state that went down a bumpy road than we did. Oh, so well, it's always good to find the positive, right? Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Okay, so go back to Northern Oklahoma College. You guys are uh, professors there. Uh, what, in the teacher's lounge? You just say, hey, I like to do beer at home or something. I mean, how'd that come up? I'm sure we were just, we got to know each other, and then I told him that I had homebrewed a decent amount, and I'd started back in the early 90s. We started talking more about beer, started homebrewing over at my house. And there was also a lot of hanging out at Finnegan's downtown. And there you go. There. And that's, from everything we've ever heard, everybody that's ever started a brewery, it started over drinking beers. You've got to have something in common. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're so we could do this. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then we started the, the hardcore research, and that was. That was a, a bunch. We we really put in our due diligence to try to figure out if this was viable. And a big part of it was going to other breweries, uh, both in-state and out-of-state. And the great thing about the craft brewing industry is that they they will share. And yeah. we've gone to these other breweries and talked to them. They answer questions. That yeah, that was one. I've heard y'all speak before. That's one thing that always fascinated me. Like they they didn't just like shut you down. Like wanted to push you out there encouraging guys and basically open the books right yeah. open the, 
open the secrets and this is what you got to do? I mean, do you think that's unique to like craft brewing or? It may happen in other industries, but not that we're aware of. It's well, it's a community. It's, it's, it's a, a fellowship, sort of. That yep. You're trying to do something that, at least in this part of America, doesn't happen overnight and yep. doesn't happen every day. Yep. So that's cool. We got told early on by Wes Alexander. He's a sales and marketing guy at Marshall Brewing in Tulsa. And he, he told us in our early days before we had done anything, he said that they generally don't view the other craft breweries as competition. It's more of the rising tide lifts all boats. And so the mindset is all of us are working to get there to be more craft beer drinkers. And so it raises. Well, and that makes sense from an Oklahoma point of view. You know, if you grew up with Coors Light and Bud Light and all that, uh, it took me a while to, Natty, <laughs> he seems like a Keystone guy. Um, I, it takes me a while to get used to the flavor, you know, real right. beer, you know, the flavor of something uh, like a craft beer. And, and we've, we've got a whole new vocabulary. There's IPA and, yep. you know, I had heard lager before, but, you know, I think that's fabulous. And you can come up with anything. All right, so we've, we've backed up just a few years, and so we, we finally get this all going. So you just have a little ton of money that you guys are sitting on, or now you've got to go convince some backer to financially help you out. So talk about, you know, who you had to sweet talk to, to bring on board. So we actually, we talked to a few banks. Um, finally, we talked to Andrea out of Exchange Bank, and she she had to take it obviously above her head and see if we could get it approved. And luckily they came back and said yes. Uh, wasn't quite that easy. We put a big business plan together and she said it was one of the best she'd ever seen. So. Wow. Uh, it was the first brewery that they had done, and it was actually the first brewery. We did an SBA loan, so it's right. we, we put a big chunk in, the bank puts a piece of the pie in, and then SBA puts a piece of the pie in. And so uh, it was the first SBA loan to do a brewery. Was it just in Oklahoma, or was that? Not sure. Yeah, I, I just know she said it was one of the first SBA Well, it, right. And so the local people are, are going as blind leading the blind yeah. in some respects. They're, yeah. they're trying to help the community, but you don't want to make, you know, mistakes yeah. on your risk. Yeah. Right. So, okay, so then the, the concept, how long did you have just the brewery before you figured out that people wanted to sit here and drink it, you know, like right out of the vat? <laughs> this was part of the plan okay. all along. Um, so much of the work that we were doing, it was a little bit in the night doing it. And so there was kind of a limit of how much we could get done. So you had to finish that first so to get anybody in. We yeah. needed to finish that. We needed to actually get some beer made, and then we could focus on this. And so we were we were splitting our time. We were doing a bunch back there, trying to get this ready. Um, luckily, we had help, too. We had volunteers that helped. My parents came a bunch and helped do things. I had an aunt and uncle who came and helped. Well, good. Bathrooms, too, that sort of thing. Like, just yeah, helped out. Yeah. But him and I definitely did the lion's share of the, the effort. But it didn't take us too long because we stole our first beer in February of 15, and then this opened on homecoming weekend that same year. So oh, it wasn't, wasn't too big of a gap. That's what I was going to go to next. What What was it like? Like the gap between your building and your brewing and stuff, and then. Like, hey, we gotta sell this to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and getting that first order in, how'd that go? We got, we started spreading the word 
just ourselves. We actually literally just went to different places around town, Finnegan's, Louis, Buffalo Wild places like that. Said, hey, we're about to do this, we're gonna have beer. And the only way that those places could get the beer is through distributors. And so then we had to let the distributors know that we existed and that we had beer available. Um, you can't just like pull up your truck and say, here's the book. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we got we got a email or I think it's a phone call maybe the, the very first time back in February 15th from a distributor out of Tulsa and he placed an order for two kegs, two of the small kegs. <laughs> Milk stout. That was the first beer we did. Uh, it was the only beer we had at the time. But they placed an order for two kegs and I like his conservative yeah. idea. Like, oh, yeah. this is crap. It's yeah. not going to be yeah. that Well, you got to know, like, every time we brew, it's 1,200 gallons. Well, two kegs was literally 11 gallons of beer. <laughs> and we had 1,200 we were sitting on that beer. So it was like, oh, great. What have we got ourselves into? So I, I remember I got that call while I was at NOC, and I called him. And I thought, we got our first order for the two kegs. And then um, it didn't. We got so excited, we pushed a little harder to go out in the community and tell people this is coming. And so then the same guy from the distributor in Tulsa called me a few days later and said, man, you're doing your job. We got more orders. So I think it, by the time it was all said and done, I think we sent out six or eight kids for the first one. Well, <laughs> so we were joking, you know, we we increased it by 100%, 200%. <laughs> <That's first laughs> yeah. huge. Yeah. There you go. But it wasn't. So now, like, looking back on those days, and then now, some of the beers we send out, we literally fill up an entire semi. So wow. An entire 53 foot long semi would go as full as That's fabulous. So it's fun to look back on those days, and then right now. Kind of a funny story. So the first beer we brewed was the, the Milk Stout, and one of those six kegs, one of those first six kegs that we sent out, went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Okay. Uh, one of the girls I worked with, I worked at Mexico Joe's when I was in college. And so one of the girls I worked with there, she went on and she became the manager at Buffalo Wild Wings. And so we kind of had an in, right. luckily she would pick up our beer. So she picked it up and so the first place that Dave and I got to go and actually try our beer, not right here, was Buffalo Wild Wings. So we stroll in there, we don't tell the waitress who we are. We don't want any, you know, we just want to go taste it for the first time. So we sat down, and uh, we said, do you have anything new on tap? We know there's something new on tap. <laughs> and uh, she was like, yeah, I think there's a new one over there. And she kind of looks over at the tap handles, you know, and she's like, I think it's called like Iron Milk or something. <laughs> was like, it was our Iron Monk Milk Stout. She didn't even know what it was called, but whatever. Well, about that time, another waitress walks behind her and she overhears us asking for the new one. And she's like, are you talking about the new one? And we're like, yeah, the new one. And she was like, it's absolutely disgusting. Don't even try it. <laughs> and our face, I look at Dave, and his face just turns, he just pale white. Oh, yeah. no. The blood just drained out of his face, and I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And so she walks off, and our waitress, she was just kind of looking at us, like, well, let, let's go ahead and try it. If you don't mind, bring us a couple samples. Let's try it. So she goes and gets us a couple samples. She brings it back, she sets them down. They look fine, so that's a good sign. At least it looks right. And it looks like it, it is yours. Yeah, it's like yeah. You put out. There's been a gap of you know, four or five minutes here between this that, that we have realized our business is over. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's completely done. Yeah. We don't know what we're doing. We yeah. obviously completely messed up. And 
bankruptcy tomorrow. Oh, yes. I mean, we yes. were already talking like, well, we're going to have to call the distributor. We're going to have to get our kids back because oh, yeah. it's it's over. Yeah. <laughs> so that girl, the first or the girl that said it was disgusting, she said it tastes like butter, salt, and syrup. The milk stout tastes nothing like butter, salt, or syrup. <laughs> so they bring us the samples. I'm looking at Dave. He's looking at me. Remember her name? <laughs> oh, she knows. She remembers. Yeah. And so we were both about to cry, I think. Anyway, we, we taste it and we're like, it tastes exactly like it does at the brewery. There's nothing wrong with that. That's exactly what we wanted. And so later I see her walking by and we grab her. We're like, hey, you come here. And uh, she was like, she walks over. She's confused because we're not eating anything. And she's like, are you talking about the new beer? And I was like, I was talking about, and uh, she was like, "We got a new wing sauce," and I thought you were talking about the wing sauce. <laughs> and the name of the wing sauce was chicken and waffles, so that was the. Well, it, it did, yeah. but how did she ever? She got that out of over here. See, uh, she'd never jump into a conversation. Yeah. Oh, now that's hilarious. That would have good thing you went ahead and stayed and tried it out. Oh, didn't just get so, <laughs> you know, true. humiliated. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Very good. So now, how do you bring on? People, we, we know we're live here in the brewery, folks, and they're back there doing their thing. How do you hire for somebody to do that in this area? You know, nobody has brewing experience. There's a lot of people that actually do have home brewing experience. Ah. There's not a lot of people that have commercial brewing experience. Gotcha. Um, there's very few of those. Um, essentially, everybody that we've brought on started out as a volunteer. There's very few exceptions to that. So that's a neat thing about having a brewery is that a lot of people want to volunteer. Will you just pay me in beer? That's I'll it. volunteer. <laughs> I think we got us a sidetrack. Go. So we got a lot of volunteers and so the people that came in, worked hard, stuck with us, those almost all of them transitioned into paid employees. Yep. And so our first head brewer, that's exactly what happened. He came in, volunteered, started brewing. He was a long time home brewer. So he understood the process. He started brewing for us. Um, and then he decided to go back to college to finish a degree. He had stopped earlier. Um, and then we had an interim head brewer for a little bit. And then he decided to go pursue his master's degree. He finished, he wanted to actually go use it. Um, and then we had another guy who had stepped in. He'd also started as a volunteer. Um, he was with us for a few months. And he decided to go pursue other opportunities in California. And then our interim head brewer that we had for that brief period of time, who had done an amazing job before, he just returned. He's the one back there. Wonderful. <laughs> We're super excited about it. His name's Sam. Sam's back. So All I'm right. Fine. Thanks, yeah. Sam. And the first beer he brewed when he got back, he named it U-Turn. Oh, because he did. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. good. Yep. So, we're fortunate. I mean, people think beer is cool. So yep. we get a lot of people applying to work here just because we're making beer. So well, and, and the whole Stillwater atmosphere I think is pretty cool. You know, I don't know a lot of other college towns, but I think because we're a rural college town, we've got a lot of cool things going on. We're a, a family kind of a community, but we like to have a little bit of something going on that everybody wants to be a part yep. somehow. And it seems like it's been uh, a good piece for momentum. Like other things have started happening since you guys have been here. Um, but I wanted to ask more about, you know, you mentioned the U-turn. You've got a lot of, you know, things you get to try and tinker with. You just had your uh, your charity brew right yesterday. Yep. Uh, so, so how much do you still get to experiment, kind of be the mad scientist of the brewing 
we can about as much as we want to. And that's one great thing about Sam being back. He's, he loves to do that. He loves to experiment. And we always bounce ideas off each other. One thing that we do here pretty regular basis, we call Beer 30. And that's when us and our production people get together to end the work day. And we try beer from around the country, around the world. And that gives us ideas. And we're like, oh, that might be something fun to try. I've never tasted anything with that ingredient. Yeah. So exactly. how can you blend it in? That sparks a lot of ideas and creativity. So that's one big reason we do that, it's research. Yeah. So our portfolio of beers, we have about seven year-round beers that we do. Some of those are seasonal, so we, we only do it for a short amount of time, like the chocolate habanero stout, and then we bring it back the next year. But we have about 14 taps here, so those other taps, then those are all one-offs or stuff that we play around with, and that's what's fun for us. It's fun to brew still weed, it's fun to brew the beers that we do year-round, but it's fun to experiment also. And you can see some of these barrels that we have back here. Those are like tequila barrels, bourbon barrels, Oh, barrels. and if you put the beer in there, yep. that gives it a whole different flavor. A yep. whole different flavor. Yeah. I have coffee that was put in a whiskey barrel. Oh, yeah. Bourbon, it was bourbon. I don't yeah, know about whiskey, but yeah. it, it has a good flavor. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that, we're always yeah. always trying new things. Cool. So, so, go ahead. No. All right, I want, to, I want to touch on the charity beer. So yep. tell us. What that means, if, if I have an organization that I would like to raise money for, I come to you and then what? We try to do it once a month and a local charity contacts us, say they want to do it, and they come in. It varies how many people come in, but two people, 10 people yesterday, it was probably 10. Probably eight or 10 people. And they actually come in and brew with our head brewer on our little system, not the big system, but we have a little pilot system. Yeah. And they actually get to do stuff like add the grain and do the stirring. And we'll cool. let them pick the recipe too, if they want to be involved. Man, in the this thing. sounds great. And I'm going to start 501c3. <laughs> <laughs> it takes about two weeks after that for the beer to actually be finished. And then we put it on tap. And all the proceeds that come in for that keg all goes to that charity. Oh, awesome. I love that idea. So that's giving some people some ideas if they haven't heard about that before. Very good. Yeah. Very good. For sure, hit us up. There's a charity. We, like he said, we do it every month, and we want to rotate through as many as we can. So we can we can usually raise about uh, between five and seven hundred dollars is what we can get out of that keg, and we, we donate every penny of it. Whatever we sell it for, we donate it. So. And that's you know it's a great way to, to to help the community in a unique way instead of just writing a check. Yeah. You've yeah. got them involved in the the process, and then they walk away with a good feeling about what you've done, and they've learned a little bit about the yeah. process. And it might get some more people in the door. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Absolutely. On that, how has the programming kind of evolved over time? Is that something that's been intentional? Do people just come to you? I know you do some with OSU. You do some, what do I say, yoga and obviously live music and stuff like that. How, how, does, how has that evolved? Just over time, uh, we listen to what people want. Uh, the first thing we did, I think it was trivia probably, wasn't it? Wednesday nights, we do trivia, <coughs> trivia every Wednesday night. And that has really gone over well. We're packed every Wednesday night, trivia yeah. as well. Um, Dave's other half, Morgan, she's got her own band. So that's why we kind of got into the music side of things. So every Thursday and some Saturdays, we do live music. Okay. Uh, we've done comedy on Saturdays. We've done pub poll, it's kind of a game, kind of like trivia. We've done the yoga thing. It happens on Saturdays. You know, that's one of the people that work for us 
She still works for us. She was one of our early people on it. She has been with us almost since the beginning. Yeah. And she got certified to teach yoga, and so now she does that on Saturday morning. In here on the floor? In here on the floor. All right. <laughs> Very good. And then OSU has a research on tap series. Yeah. Yep. Monday, uh, Monday evenings, once a month, they do research on tap. It's really cool. It's interesting stuff. Uh, they come in. This last one that they did was about uh, a dog. Sled dog. Sled dog. Oh. Yeah. Um, and kind of their, the science behind them and stuff. So it's interesting. And it's not, it's not too deep in the weeds for everybody. Anybody yeah. can come. That was actually Kenneth Sewell's idea from OSU. That's great. Vice President of Research. He, he came to us. He was one of our early guests. So he he started talking to us and said he'd really like to do that. And it's it's called kind of extremely wow. well, and it's blending the two. You know, there's the city and the university, and so many people do both. Yeah. And it'll expose university life to people who aren't exposed to OSU. Let's talk about the front of the house. Okay, so you've got all this set up. We have people coming in after work. Uh, who runs the front of the house? So we just hired a, a tapper manager. She's been with us for a little while, but she wasn't. We moved her into the position of tapper manager, and that's Kristen. Wonderful. And if you've been here, you've seen Kristen, Kristen and she's fabulous. She is, absolutely. And we just have great bartenders. They, we have been, and we tell our bartenders. We can't say how fortunate we are. They, they've kept this thing going, humming along. Um, they're great with customers. They're just, they're awesome people. They really are. They stick with us for the long term. Um, about the only people that we've had leave, they've just left because they graduated, they got a job somewhere else. Otherwise, they've stuck with us. Yeah. And so apparently, they like working here. That's we like great. working here. And, and our regular customers get to know them. And they want to keep coming back. That's, it's been awesome. Yeah. And we hear it all the time. They might have people come up to us and always bragging on our bartenders, you know, nice and clean. That's good. So talk about food. You do not have a restaurant or a kitchen. So how do you solve the problem? You don't want people to leave because they won't come back. So what if, what if they're hungry? Food trucks. Yep. And see, that's like a newish idea. I yeah, mean, yeah. everybody's seen trailers at the state fair, but yeah, yeah. this community really has embraced the whole food truck idea. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, they kind of rotate through. Uh, Dan Purdy with Purdy Q Barbecue, he was the first one that approached us and wanted to do it. And we loved the idea, and so he took that on. And then we've got a few others that come in and kind of rotate through. And if we don't have a food truck, then we're welcome to bring your own food in. I have brought Ty Cafe over here because I parked over there. So I felt a little guilty and I put the receipt on my dash and then I walked away. We hope at the end of the day that the Thai Cafe thing, we hope they they do better because we're here and exactly. we do better because they're there and it's, yeah. we hope yeah. there's, we hope it, it lifts both. Probably yeah. so, probably so. So um, what's next? Have either of you owned a business before? I own real property, and, um, quite a few rent houses and then I own Westside Self Storage. Gotcha. Um, so I've got that other business currently. Dave also owns some rental property, uh, but he was in education for quite a while, so that's yeah. Kind of yeah. So, well, it sounds like, to me, I was just as you were talking that the staffing has gone really well, and I've heard that is unusual. <laughs> so, I mean, did, were you particularly intentional about that, or how did you kind of develop the culture and things like that that kind of made that work? I, I mean. 
I think a lot of it is just we've had really good people that have come to us and uh, that have worked for us, and they have the good attitude. They have that culture. Kind of the people that approach us are already those type of people. They like craft beer. It's kind of like the bicycle community. People that cycle seem to be just good people. Um, and I think people that are in craft beer is good all-around people. And I think we've been fortunate. I, I'm sure Dave and I are we're pretty humble, but um, we try to be the best managers we can be. Uh, and we work really hard. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort into this, and I think that trickles down to our employees. And they see us working hard, and they do the same. So. Almost all of them have come. Almost every employee has come because of another employee. So, so oh, the referral system, yeah, that helps. Yeah. Somebody yeah. that works here says, hey, I've got a friend I think would be great here. That's how almost all of them have come. Wow. That's awesome. So you distribute, you got worldwide yet, or just nationwide? Almost, <laughs> almost worldwide. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are uh, in the whole state of Oklahoma, uh, all of Kansas. Hopefully before too long, we're going to be in Missouri. Uh, we're trying to get into Missouri, and, and our goal is to get into North Texas before too long. Oh, maybe, wow. maybe within yeah. a year we'll be in North Texas. So. We've got a lot of room to grow. It looks like it's pretty full back there. There's a lot of room in the far back. Uh, I think we could probably double what we do now. As far as production, as far if, as if it were to explode in the yep. next five years, you have some room. Yep. That's great. Yeah, we've got room to grow. We've already tripled if not quadrupled our capacity that we can brew back here. And I think we could even double or maybe triple that out of this building. Mm -hmm. And if we get to that point, we're gonna be looking for And I can just walk in, I'm seeing a little cooler over there. I can just walk in and buy a six pack and take it out, right? Yep, absolutely. That's good. What about, what, what about the big jugs? What do you call those growlers? Growlers? There's crowlers and growlers. Okay. So the growler is the glass jug you're talking about. Okay. There's a can, it's a 32 ounce can, and that's called a crowd. Okay, so do you, so you seal those up so I can walk out yep, with it? Yep, okay. Yep. And what's crazy now is the law has changed. You could take any of those products, walk outside of our door, and you can open it and walk around with it as long as you don't get intoxicated. So there's no open container anymore. For our podcast is here to teach you things, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, and uh, Good to know. Are there any other changes like that in the pipeline or that are recent um, that, that you guys are watching? Uh, we Not too long ago, you can talk about a little if you want to, about ciders. Yeah, so the state legislature passed the bill that allows the craft brewers in Oklahoma to start making ciders in addition. Okay. Uh, so ciders are made with apples generally and other fruits, you know, that's that was considered something by law different than making stuff out of grain. Gotcha. So they had to actually prove that. So that's now law. Um, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So we're gonna start experimenting with those before too long. Um, yeah, that's that's a change. There's the Craft Brewers Association of Oklahoma, which is our trade association. They, they're they always working on things and we've got a, a lobbyist that goes to the Capitol and, and pushes for well, and lots of things affect you, not just the, the alcohol-related legislation. You know, sales tax things affect you, and location and stuff like that affect you. So that's good that you guys, as a trade association, have somebody bird-dogging that for you. Yeah. Does that trickle down to local stuff? I know there's been a lot of talk about road recently and connecting campus. You guys are almost the doorway to campus and downtown. We've heard uh, 
they did a, a study, has that been probably a year, year and a half ago? It's been a long time. They were going to turn husband into that corridor that you're talking about, getting from downtown to campus. So we hope that happens. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned earlier about parking. We don't have a lot of parking, so we hope they don't take any of our parking away. Uh, the little that we do have, but that would be really cool if it was more of a green space, bike paths, um, and we could, we could. I think we'd benefit from that. I think the, the you know, still a lot of people would benefit from that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we're coming up on Christmas. I don't know when you're watching this, but we're coming up on Christmas now. Are you going to have a Christmas brew? Absolutely. Or a winter time? I'm guessing we'll have a couple of things that will interest people. The one that we brewed, so the community keg, we brewed one yesterday with Casa. That okay. was our uh, partners yesterday's Casa that we had eight or ten people show up for. And that one was a cranberry, orange, very Christmassy yeah. New Year, so that was That's awesome. That's wonderful. All right, any parting words? I'm really trying, I'm looking for a lesson here. What can you share? What have you learned? Yes, you, you've been successful, you took some risks, you you know learned some stuff along the way. What what if we have somebody who's listening who maybe doesn't want to start a craft brewery, but just wanting to take that next step? Any encouragement? I would say, I, I think I can speak for both of us, we knew that the community would enjoy having a craft brewery, but we had no idea the extent of how many times people just come up to us and say thank you. Or they'll tell our head group, thank you. Like they really mean it, they appreciate it. And so I guess my words would be if you're thinking of starting a business that you think would affect the community like that, go for it. Do it. Yeah. Put in the hard work and, and people are gonna if you build it, they will come. They're gonna <laughs> respond. People yeah. appreciate the effort that we put into them and we appreciate the fact that they appreciate it. It's, it means a lot to us. And absolutely. Every time somebody says thank you and or that the city really needed this and things like that. We it makes us feel awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a cultural change that, that we feel really good about. Yeah, and it makes it worth it. There was, I mean, those first few years it was rough. I mean, there's a lot of days we're like, are we going to make it or not? Just because it takes so you got to sell so much to make this happen. So once we kind of got over that hump and to hear people say thank you and really appreciate it, it makes it makes all that hard work. Well, and you're less than five years in. If you said you sold your first beer in February of 15, yeah. I see a five-year party in February 20. There we go. Let's do it. Before we go, travel tips to Scotland. <laughs> Did you go or are you going? I've been a few times. I absolutely love Scotland. Yes, it's one of his favorite places. It's, that is a great place to go, friendly people. Which town should we go to? If we're going to move this on the road. Uh... Aberdeen, okay, really nice place. Yeah, Isle of Skye. Isle of Skye is probably the prettiest place I've ever seen. Uh, well, that's a great name too. You can't beat Isle of Skye. Very good. All right. Well, thank you guys for watching. I'm Cheryl Pickens. Jonathan Udoka. And we have been visiting with Jared Millirons and Dave Monks. We've been talking about the uh, history and now the future of Iron Monk. And Jonathan and I will be back soon with another episode of Our Time. Thanks. <laughs>